She was this gun-toting, whiskey-drinking broad. The super epic fucking broad. She was a pioneer in the industry. She's also so famous and so controversial. So controversial. So she's kind of a big fucking deal. Her story is so incredible. She belongs on this podcast because she's a broad you should know. Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I'm Sarah Gorski, and audience, I'm excited to introduce you to my friend, Adrian Snow. Adrian, what can you tell the audience about you? Oh man, what do you want to know? I'm a fellow podcaster and actress and cat mom. Mm-hmm. So I work in video games, commercials, television. She's being very humble. She kicks a lot of ass in, in the <laughs> audience. So um, uh, yeah. she's being humble as shit right now. <laughs> but I'll brag on her. She's the best. <laughs> and I am so excited, Adrian. This broad I brought today, you know, we do a lot of serious broads because a lot of the stuff that we talk about is very serious stuff and smashing the patriarchy. But every once in a while, there's just like a really goofy ass cuckoo broad. <laughs> And I think that that's what I'm bringing today. And I'm so excited because I actually think you're going to be like heavily into it based on all of our <laughs> previous conversations. Great. So um, I am excited. Have you heard of Sarah Winchester? The name sounds familiar. She is the builder of the Winchester Mystery House, which okay, is kind of this weird. like famous, quote, haunted landmark in America. It's up um, near San Francisco. She's also connected to, um, you may know the name Winchester from the Winchester Rifle. It's been very famous in history. So she's connected with all that. Well, that's a Texan. I I know a little bit about guns, but not a lot. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Same. (laughs) I also did like kind of obsessively watch the show Supernatural and the Mm -hmm. Winchester Brothers. And it's connected in with the Winchester. There's like... They had like the pistol, the Winchester pistol that could kill the demon. Anyway, that's like the super nerd deep dive into Sarah's mind. So that's how I'm connected to the Winchesters. (laughs) But Sarah Winchester was a real person. So Sarah Lockwood Party was born in 1839 in New Haven, Connecticut. And her parents were Sarah Burns and Leonard Party. For a while, her dad managed, I guess what they call a city bathing house. But eventually he became a Finnish carpenter and things were like pretty, their lives were like pretty financially stable. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, they weren't like poverty level or anything like that. Um, They also were apparently pretty progressive. They invited a bunch of prominent abolitionists and quote free thinkers to hang out at their place. Uh, And as Sarah grew up, she was apparently a pretty bright student. She learned four languages and she was markedly good at music composition, math and science is what the Mm. research said. She also was pretty short. In stature. When she was all grown up, she was four foot ten and weighed ninety-five pounds. Yeah. <laughs> That's so That's tiny. a tiny woman. That's a tiny woman. Um, she also though was apparently very beautiful. She had a nickname, the Belle of New Haven. So she was kind of like the hot young thing in town. Uh, and when she's 23, she marries William Winchester, who is the heir to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. So they get married September 30th, 1862. And most of the sources said that they were like childhood friends, like they had kind of grown up together. Oh, that's kind of sweet. It is kind of sweet, right? Yeah. You don't always see that. Especially because his his family is particularly wealthy and hers was not terrible, but not wealthy, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, usually, especially at that time, it's like marry into wealth. 
And William's dad, her her father-in-law, Oliver, he was the co-owner of the Winchester Davies Shirt Manufactory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and William was like kind of being groomed to take over that company. But then at some point, Oliver develops this interest in the firearms business. And in 1866, he takes control of this company called the Volcanic Arms Company. And he uses it to establish the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. And pretty soon after like after that, William's like, ah, oh, fuck the shirt business. I think this gun thing is going to be a better idea. And he sells his interest in the shirt company and he becomes the secretary of Winchester Repeating Arms. He was right. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he was right. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. And then in uh, around the same time, uh, July 12th, 1866, Sarah gives birth to a daughter they name Annie. However, six weeks later, Annie dies from what's called marasmus, which I looked it up and it's basically malnutrition due to the inability of your body to absorb proteins. Hmm. So, and so it's actually dying. It's, it's dying of malnourishment, but it's, it's um, not that they weren't feeding her. It was like her body like couldn't absorb couldn't the nutrients. Absorb and some sources say Sarah never quite recovers from the death of her infant daughter and her and William stayed married and that continues on but Sarah becomes increasingly distressed and she starts to get distressed kind of some sources say over the source of the company's and her own wealth because the Winchester family has all these guns and people are killed by their guns and she starts Mm -hmm. to kind of like feel like guilty about it and then in 1873 the winchester rifle model 73 is released and this gun becomes known as quote the gun that won the west between 1973 and 1916 they sell over 700,000 of these things it's like the wild west celebrity gun like buffalo bill cody and annie oakley and even um teddy roosevelt they're all like "Ooh, my i'm so good with my winchester um so they are like raking in the money in the midst of all the sorrow of losing the baby and all that but then in 1880 oliver uh her father-in-law william's dad Mm -hmm. dies and he leaves the succession of the winchester repeating arms company to william sarah's husband but it turns out that at this point william has been sort of fighting tuberculosis for a while and as other episodes of this podcast have shown us tuberculosis never really ends well for people. And no. about three months after his dad, William, dies too, and he's 43. They both die of tuberculosis. They both die of tuberculosis. And apparently also Sarah's mother dies in the same year. Rough year for Sarah. Yeah. But Sarah, as a result of all of this, inherits William's and thus Oliver's vast, vast fortune, which at the time was $20 million. And today Damn. that translates to like $540 million. Damn. And she also gets 50% of stock in the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. So this makes her like in- instantly one of the wealthiest women in the whole world. God, that's just like kind of always been a dream of mine to just have like a random family member be like, hey, I'm super wealthy. and <laughs> To have your husband die of tuberculosis and leave you a bunch of money? Yes! I know! <laughs> I mean... <laughs> um, Sarah's also just been through like a massive amount of tragedy. She's just oh, like yeah. lost all these people. And, and she's kind of ready to start anew. So before she leaves the East Coast, she endows what becomes the Winchester Chest Clinic at New Haven Yale Hospital. And in 1885, she packs everything up and she moves to California. She apparently already has two sisters there and some other extended family, and she just wants to be closer to them. And also, apparently, the dry climate was beneficial for her. She had apparently rheumatoid arthritis. 
Okay. So here's where the research is interesting, because her story is kind of split into two versions. So I'm going to tell the crazier version first, because it's because okay. <laughs> it's because it's very interesting interesting. and then i'll follow up with kind of the other side that's considered a little more well-balanced so some accounts say that in in sarah's opinion her newfound fortune was like blood money and she saw like her wealth being earned by the deaths of thousands of people and so while she's trying to figure out what to do with the money she goes up to boston before she goes to california and she sees a medium and she's telling this this medium, like, oh, I just feel so guilty about this money. And the medium's like, listen, man, you're going to be tormented the rest of your life unless mm-hmm. you can appease the spirits of these victims. And the mm-hmm. only way to do that is to, to move west and to build a house for the lost souls. <laughs> and so Sarah's like, oh, shit, I better fucking do that. So she packs up and she goes to California. And in 1886, she purchases this two-story farmhouse near San Jose. It becomes called her Yanada Villa, and she begins remodeling it. And when I say she begins remodeling, I mean it's like not a tiny project. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is a huge remodel. And instead of hiring an architect, she hires a whole team of carpenters, and they work 24-7. And she directs them to build like directly onto the farmhouse per her own instructions. So there's like not even like blueprints. Oh. No, she like doesn't she doesn't like doesn't bring in an architect. And before long, the farmhouse rises to be like a seven-story Victorian mansion. And it had all this fancy stuff like parquet flooring and chandeliers and gilded doorways and Tiffany stained glass designed by like the or the originator of Tiffany and Co, which Lewis Comfort Tiffany. <laughs> Crazy shit. And yeah. it also had the most advanced technology on the market, which included forced central heating, running hot water. And also at the end of things, after all the building is kind of done later in her life, it, it's 24,000 square feet, 10,000 windows, 2,000 doors, 160 what? rooms, 52 skylights, 47 stairways and fireplaces, 17 chimneys, 13 bathrooms, and six kitchens. Can you even live there? Is it just like you walk from a kitchen and you enter into a bathroom and then a door pops up out of nowhere and then there's a bedroom and then you you fall down through the the floor? (laughs) Well, here's where the story gets kind of like a little bit cuckoo. So at the same time that this building is going on, Sarah is also being regularly visited by, quote, spiritualists and mediums from across the city. And according to the local (laughs) legends, she invited the spiritualist to direct her on how best to appease the spirits. And this results in some weird construction choices. So she instructs the carpenters to build things like staircases that end abruptly or that end like at ceilings, doors that open into walls, uh, huge rooms that have smaller rooms inside of them, windows that open to other rooms inside and not the outside, doorways that open to several story drops, like you open the door and there's like nothing there, <laughs> and hallways that go to nowhere before circling back around on themselves. So it's like H.H. Holmes, but without the serial killing. Supposedly, without the serial killing. Supposedly. And, <laughs> supposedly. And it's thought that, um, like, the legend is, is that she hoped that the ghosts would kind of get lost on their way to haunting her. And that, like, the craziness of the house would confuse the ghosts from being able to contact her directly. That's so sad. Like, like, 
I yeah. mean, it's crazy, but it's also just sad that she felt so traumatized by, you know, the company and, and how she got her money and and mm-hmm. just she was alone in this. It was like, oh, she didn't have any family. Yeah. And well, apparently she also had a, quote, seance room and she would receive instructions on how to design the interior this way. Uh, And there was an article in a San Francisco paper later that said the seance room dedicated to the spirit world in which Mrs. Winchester had such faith is magnificently done in heavy velvet of many colors. Here are hundreds of clothes hooks upon which hang many costumes. Mrs. Winchester, it is said, believed that she could don any of these costumes and speak to the spirits of the characters of the area represented in the clothing. Mm-hmm. So this is some heavy ass. This is just shit. a lot of work. Like, <laughs> that's a lot of guilt. Um, so this is the part like, of the story. So that so that was like the the memes and funny things I had like seen posted about her is kind of encompassed with that part of the story. However, it is widely kind of known in the other you know in the other there's this that half of the research and then the other half of the research that's like uh that is like legend ghost story made up bullshit yeah um in in 2010 there's a history teacher named mary joe ignafo and she publishes the first full-length biography of sarah called captive of the labyrinth sarah l winchester heiress to the rifle fortune and her in her book she refutes all of the rumors about her ever being influenced by a medium to build at such a quick speed to appease angry ghosts or any, any stuff like that. And she found some letters where Sarah specifically mentions that she stopped construction for various periods of time. And there was also apparently a plausible explanation for some of the weird shit in the house, uh, mm. including that. Uh, there was a big San Francisco earthquake in 1906. And after that, she simply had a bunch of passages sealed off, okay. which meant that a bunch of doors and stairways, which once went somewhere, now go nowhere. Okay. So that there are like some explanations for some of the weird shit in this house. Yeah, it's like when you go back and you realize that women weren't as crazy as history made them out to be. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the biographer also found, she found no evidence that any of the, the men who worked for Sarah believed that she was crazy or communicating with the dead. Okay. And, and most of them knew that she just was kind of reclusive and she had terrible arthritis. And so okay. she just didn't come out much. The book, uh, the, the biography also explains that Sarah had like she basically just was really bad at architecture and that she actually had tried to work with several architects, but none of the, none of those relationships worked out. And then she finally decided to draw the plans up herself. And so without any professional architecture training, like how can you be good at it? Right. (laughs) That's the one thing that, that being a doctor, being a lawyer, those are, I feel like the three tops that if you have no training whatsoever, you can't just like wing it. You can just go in and just do it. You can't just be like, I'll figure it out. Like, like that's not Yeah. Good. And no. apparently there's a letter that she wrote to her sister-in-law saying, quote, I am constantly having to make upheaval for some reason. For instance, my upper hall, which leads to the sleeping apartment, was rendered so unexpectedly dark by a little addition that after a number of people missed their footing on the stairs, I decided that safety demanded something be done. So yeah. like they build a thing and then they realize, oh, wait, it blocks its own light. So we have to rebuild or build or change. So it's mm-hmm. just kind of like things an architect might have thought of that an architect would think about that 100%. And there's another article, there's a there's a Smithsonian article by this woman Pamela Hogg and she says that there's a, a separate theory about all the constant like this 24/7 construction which seems so kind of in, unnecessary and insane. 
her theory is that Sarah kept doing construction as kind of a philanthropic pursuit. So she mm. had she employed like dozens of carpenters and they worked shifts yeah. around the clock every day for 36 years. And oh, she paid them yeah. triple the rate of similarly skilled carpenters. And quote, Sarah had tons of money and wanted to keep her workers gainfully employed. Well, that's also really nice too. That's like a really nice side of it too, right? Yeah. She's not a crazy old lady. She's a generous old lady. I mean, she's a little bit crazy because like there's other oh. ways to spend your money. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, hey, like if you want to put people to work and this is the way that you know you can do it, then that makes sense. So at this point in my research, I'm like, well, then how the fuck did all these fucking rumors get started about all these hauntings and seance stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it seems that by... 1895, the house was starting to get big enough that it was starting to draw the attention of the community and like the San Francisco elite. And and because she didn't come out much and didn't socialize much, you know, nobody really knew very much about her. But then she was building this gigantic mansion that they, they could know about. And then in February 1895, there's the San Francisco Chronicle publishes this article that kind of is the origin story for all of these Winchester Mystery House legends. So uh, a quote from the article said, quote, the sound of the hammer is never hushed. The reason for it is in Mrs. Winchester's belief that when the house is entirely finished, she will die. Whether she had discovered the secret of eternal youth and will live as long as the building material, saws and hammers last, or is doomed to disappoint as great Ponce de Leon in his search for the fountain of life is a question for time to solve. Wow. <laughs> okay, San Francisco Chronicle. So gossip. <laughs> literally, time. literally gossip. There's another theory, not another theory, but there's another book called Ghostland on American mm. History and Haunted Places. And that book talks about the Winchester Mystery House. And it says that a lot of those rumors were also based in kind of the economic uncertainty at the time. So in 1893, there was uh, a several years long depression and unemployment was really high and it was hitting over 40% in some states. It kind of offered this perfect window to make Sarah a villain because here she is a reclusive widow who's wasting her money on this pointless mansion construction while people are like starving outside the gate. Yeah. And uh, that book says, quote, uh, it was a gaudy reminder of the haves versus the have-nots, which does make sense, actually. It does, but, you know, there are other, like, you hear about, like, the Waldorf house, I think, in Thousand Islands, where it's just, like, this abandoned mansion that the same owner of Waldorf Astoria built for his widow who was dying. Mm. And it's kind of the same thing, where it was just kind of, like, haphazardly done, and the construction <laughs> ended, she died, and he just stops construction just leaves it abandoned and i'm sure you know they were probably um around the same time but you know nobody's going up against the waldorf astoria being like no they don't give to the to the poor and like they're they're building all these monuments to themselves so it sucks because that's clearly like the sexism talking where it's like beat on this poor woman who's just experienced tragedy yeah Um, I mean, not everybody knew her whole story either because she had just moved from Connecticut, you know, to California. I kind of skipped over some of the other life stuff that happened. We we got focused on the house and stuff. So in in 1888, Sarah bought 140 acres of other land in Los uh, Los Altos, and she used that as a ranch. She also buys a farmhouse for her sister and brother-in-law called the Winchester Merriman House. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at some point, her niece, Daisy, 
um, also called Marion. Daisy's kind of her nickname. Um, she ends up kind of moving into Lenana Villa with her. And okay. she like stays with her aunt for like 15 years until she gets married. Uh, in 1906 is the big earthquake. Um, it inflicts quite a lot of damage on the, the mansion. The seventh story tower and most of the fourth floor end up being demolished, which we kind of already said. But apparently Sarah had a habit of sleeping in different rooms of the house, like throughout the house. And mm-hmm. when the earthquake happened, it caused a couple of floors to kind of cave in and her staffers had to like dig through rubble and find her in this other bedroom that she was sleeping in, which is like, oh, <laughs> yikes. Lore did an episode about Sarah Winchester. Um, mystery house but what's interesting is that you know even though he um, he did do his research but he mainly told the perspective of of her story from like the crazy loony woman right and not the like maybe this is what people were kind of making up about her I mean I had only heard the loony stuff and I was excited to kind of dig into the loony and then I read more and I was like oh this is just people picking on an old lady (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which is both disappointed but also a relief because History repeats itself over and over. Oh, yeah. Every time. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) Uh, In the 1920s, uh, Sarah also buys a houseboat on the San Francisco Bay, and she she names it Sarah's Ark. Mm. Reputedly, uh, she had that boat there for fear of a second great flood such as the biblical one experienced in the Bi- the one in the Bible with Noah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also a lot of really rich people had houseboats and yachts then. So it's like, yeah, uh, you can't. Maybe she was still crazy or maybe she just was doing whatever we did. The Ark unfortunately burns down in 1929. Um, so oh, that okay. is not still around. Okay. And then uh, in September 5th, 1922, Sarah passes away from heart failure in her, oh. in her mansion, in her okay. in Ana Villa. How old was she? She was 83. Dang. She's yeah. pretty old. She got up there. Yeah. I mean, for that time period, 1922. I kind of feel like maybe we've been getting aging wrong. Because I'll, I'll go and look up some of these people and I'll be like, they died at 90. They died at 75. They died at 80. I'm like, I thought people died at 50 all the time. <laughs> like, I mean, I think a lot of people so. did from preventable, more preventable diseases. But uh, there's a note from her lawyer Samuel Lieb after her death who said that she was quote as sane and clear-headed a woman as I have ever known she had a better grasp of business and financial affairs than most men um which I thought was a nice I wanted to throw that in there because that really argues for kind of the more sane not crazy sane side when she dies her um they, they held a service for her in Palo Alto and her remains stay in the the Alta Mesa Cemetery but later they're transferred back to New Haven Connecticut where she's buried next to her husband and the and the baby they lost. Apparently, her, her will was written in 13 sections, which she signed 13 times. <laughs> that kind of feeds into the, the cuckoo part. <laughs> the cuckoo. The belongings in the Winchester Mystery House were left to her niece, Daisy, who had lived there with her for a time. And um, Daisy ended up auctioning off almost everything. She Daisy also got a little bit of money, Um not a ton. She gets three thousand from her aunt, and then like two hundred a two hundred thousand trust fund uh, okay. for the rest of her life. But that's a lot of money back then. But when you think about the twenty million, I guess what all of it went into the house. I, I think she ends up giving a bunch away. She ends up giving some to, more to the hospitals in Connecticut. I think um, the villa, Yonata Villa, is sold at auction, and 
it is bought and turned into a landmark that's open to the public. So on, on June 30th, 1923, the Winchester Mystery House opened. And since its opening, over 12 million people have gone through it and visited. Oh, nice. Just kind of so awesome. So you can actually go and walk through it or? Yeah. Now it's on my list of to-dos when, next time I'm up in the SF area. Um, to this day, though, the house is said to be haunted with the spirit of a former caretaker named Clyde. Mm. <laughs> um, one final quote to close out the story. Uh, in that book, Ghostland, the author kind of posits that the legend of Sarah Winchester combines, quote, our uneasiness about women living alone, withdrawn from society, and the gun that won the West, and the violence white Americans carried out in the name of civilization. It's a compelling story, perhaps, because it's one in which Sarah Winchester is punished for her transgressions. We mm. projected shame on her. And that yep. is Sarah Winchester. Well, what do you think? I liked it. It's, it's, it's fascinating to hear it just because you, you're kind of, it, it is a story of, kind of about gossip, right? And, and yeah. how, how it can corrupt people and the memories of people and, I think, you know, at the end of the day, that's all you really are. It's just a memory. And so for her to kind of, at the end of her life, have to be constantly revalidated. Like, no, she was sane. No, she was fine. Sure, she might have been quirky. That's a quirky way to spend your money. Like, no, there's no other way to look at yeah. it. It's just a quirky, weird way to spend your money. But that doesn't make yeah. her her crazy. You know, it just kind of makes her maybe not the best money management person, the best choice maker. <laughs> I mean, maybe, uh, so, but it seems like you know, she that, ended up, you know, she paid people for their work and she paid she three paid times people for the work, what they usually exactly. made. And like, I don't know, that doesn't seem like a crazy use of money. She didn't have, you know, she, she bought houses for her family. She like took care yeah. of her family. So it's not like she was like buying brothels and no. you know, carousing and. Yeah, no, that's not at all what I'm saying. I think it's just more of like. Because it was quirky. That, like, listen, I have a bunch of Funko Pop dolls behind me that I leave in the box. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, we all have our, like, quirky things that we buy. And that was her quirk is that she liked to keep building on this house. And and now I would sit here and be like, I wouldn't have chose to do that with my money. Like, I would have chose something else. But when we talk about her, instead of talking about all the things that she did do, right, which we kind of, like, re reframed at the end where we talk about the houses she did give to her family and the mm -hmm. people that she supported by building the house. The main focus when people hear about this woman is that she was this crazy lady who was a recluse who built this house that mm -hmm. doors that led to nowhere. And that she was holding seances. And that, and she, that she was, was holding seances. And also seances were popular at that time anyway. So what mm. was the big deal? Well, people really dive in. Like when I, you know, I, when I was going through the research, there's a number of, I didn't include a bunch of information from sites that were like, here's the numbers about the luck and the spirit world and what she believed and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's all this. Mm -hmm. People have really kind of run with it and run deep mm -hmm. and d down those huge wormholes that exist of all, yeah. of, you know, all that kind of astrological, spiritual deep dive, which pe people kind of take the part of the story they want to believe and they, they kind of run with it. There was, um, I did forget to mention, there was a movie that came out three years ago called Winchester, starring Dame Helen Mirren playing Sarah oh, Winchester. Okay. And I just watched it. I was like, oh, maybe there'll be some research in here. No. <laughs> but I'm sorry it's just to the say, crazy part? I'm sorry to say it's uh, definitely like this little horror movie that uses the store. It, it uses like this setup to be like, these spirits are haunting and we have to release them from there. So it was like kind of a bummer. I was like, oh, shit. 
and it wasn't yeah, even. I've seen I that. didn't even think it was that good, but I've seen that that ad. Yep. It also stars that uh, actress from Succession, Sarah Snook, I think is her name. Oh, the mean girl, the, the daughter. sister. The, yeah, yeah, the daughter, the sister's daughter. Yeah, she rub, rubs me the wrong way. But they all do. <laughs> it's not just her, but like we can talk about this later. But <laughs> this season, I'm just like, what am I still doing here? <laughs> I already told you. I tried to watch it and I just couldn't keep couldn't keep on it. But you know, every, but if people like different things, then that's okay. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but I definitely cannot wait to visit SF again and go see the Winchester Mystery House because I'm just gonna be like fascinated. And audience, I'm gonna have all these pictures uh, on the website, uh, so you can go check out all these pictures of her and uh, of the Winchester Mystery House. It is a it is a piece of work, and you can definitely tell. Uh, that's the only thing I thought the movie did well was that I felt like their sets and stuff were really cool, and they okay. really kind of like did that room within a room and weird staircases and labyrinthian. Like I was like, oh, yeah. those sets are cool. I don't I don't think they shot in the actual Winchester house, but pretty cool. Well, thank you, Adrian, for being here for Sarah Winchester. I'm happy to hear about her. I yeah, that's it's also nice to hear because as you were telling the story, I was like. Oh, I've definitely heard about this house, but to hear the different perspective of like, she wasn't that crazy. Like she just, you know, just wanted to be helpful and supportive. And so that, that was nice to hear too. It's, it's always mm-hmm. nice when we can cut through some of like the rumor, the untrue rumors. I think that it, it honors the women, that, you know, in a more real way than all these crazy rumors do. Even though those crazy rumors are what kind of drew me in in the first place. <laughs> Whatever gets you there. <laughs> To learn more about Sarah Winchester and see pictures of her and the Winchester Mystery House, you can go on over to broadsyoushouldknow.com. We've got cool stuff on her page, and then you can check out all the other broads we've covered on this podcast. While you're there, you can also click over to the About page and learn more about Adrienne. Her bio and picture and links to all her cool stuff and her social are there. Speaking of social, are you following us yet? We are on Facebook and Instagram at broadsyoushouldknow and Twitter at podcast. To suggest abroad, fill out the form on our website or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. Are you a fan of Broads You Should Know? Then you should help spread the word. Share with your friends and family and leave us a review. Those two things really help new listeners to find us. Broads You Should Know is produced by me, Sarah Gorski, and edited by Chloe Skye with original music by Darren Callahan. Finally, if you really enjoyed hearing about Sarah Winchester, then I highly recommend you check out a few of our previous broads, especially some of our other millionaire broads, Madam C.J. Walker, Bridget Biddy Mason, and Edith Wilson, who's part of the background broads episode. And if you really liked a story about a crazy old coot, then you also should check out Annie Edson Taylor. See you next week for another Broad You Should Know.